Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and I have a very special guest with me. He is absolutely Carlton Podcast Royalty. It is, of course, the great Paul Barbaza. Baz, thanks for joining me. How are you and how good was it to get a big win against Frio? Well, first things first, Ian. Um, after a win, it's normally... Oh, that's what I wanted to hear, mate. Oh, I tell you what, I was thinking about that all day. I was walking to work. I was styling, profiling all the way to work, thinking about getting that woo as soon as we started the podcast. Oh, there's no sweeter sound, I think, in Carlton fandom. Yeah, well, I'd like to have heard it a lot more times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, as it turns out, you know, it's been a, a bit of an indifferent year. And and thanks for having us. And um, unfortunately, well, Lockie's away, isn't he? So. Yeah, he's decided to go to Europe and, and enjoy a lovely European summer, leave us to the cold and miserable Melbourne. And yeah, yeah so he's going to try and get involved whenever he can. I'm trying to get hopefully at least a little bit of a video message or an audio message from him weekly if he doesn't appear, even if he's just telling me where he is and, and we can all just get jealous about his travels. But no, it's, it's great to have um, a couple of guests involved and definitely get yourself on the pod. No worries, mate. I hope Hopefully, uh, I fill in some big shoes there. <laughs> oh, you'll be absolutely fine. But look, I've, I've got to ask you a question straight out of the gate here because I know we played Frio, but did did we accidentally play the wrong WA side yesterday? Because I'm, I'm not sure. Did we play West Coast? Because it definitely felt like it, uh, Baz. Like, I know Frio <laughs> have been a bit up and down this year. And look, they're not a top eight team. But we definitely made them look a lot worse than they actually are, especially you know away from home. It was always going to be tough. What did you kind of make of that win against Frio? Oh, mate! I look coming into the game. You know, I always have a little bit of a look at the odds, and they mm. were slight favourites. Or no, I think they were, yeah, they were slight favourites. Um, our record against them has been pretty good over the last few years, um, whether it be over there or here. Yeah. So, I mean. I wasn't confident, but I knew that, you know, if we brought something like we played the the previous fortnight, I thought, you know, mm. we could get the job done. Um, the concern, obviously, was the, the ruck situation, which yeah. you'll talk about that after, but that panned out pretty, you know, it, it just, it's non-existent, really. I mean, you mm. don't, it's, when you've got a midfield and a supporting midfield that, um, you know, hold. The, the opposition to, um, I would, I, I don't, actually didn't really feel any of Frio's midfield mm. got any lick at the ice cream at all. I just thought we're all over. Yeah. Them. Honestly, we're dead set all over them. Um, so I think you know what I made of it is that when this team brings the heat and the pressure, mm. um, and our better players play well, I mean, you know, we all know our better six, seven, eight players, when they play well, the rest just join in beautifully. And now we've got a, a bit of a different mix to what we had probably three, four, five weeks ago um, we, with the introduction of a few players over the last few weeks. And it's made a difference. It's, yeah. I mean, they're not wholesale names, but mm. it's made a difference. They're, they're actually role players that, you know... I mean, who, who are we talking about here? Probably, you know, Boyd, Sincotta, Fogarty, um, yeah. those three. And then, you know, you, well, you throw in, you know, classy players like Martin and K. 
Cunningham and yeah. And I think Kemp now has had a really good grounding in the mm. two for a few years that, you know, he stepped up as well. So the pressure for mine is first and foremost, you bring mm. the heat and you're a chance. Then if your better players play well, you're even mm. a better chance. And if you start yeah. putting scoreboard pressure on, well, that's the, that's the killer. So oh, it's pretty basic footy sometimes, isn't it? It is, but it's something Lockie and I often talk about, and particularly we have a bit of a segment in our match build-up shows of the, what do you want to see? Take away the win because obviously we want that. What are the little things that you're hoping to look into the game? And one we always talk about is pressure from the start. You know, you know Carlton's on when you bring that tackle pressure and it feels like it's something that is almost never there. And particularly this season, we, we don't seem to be switched on and ready to go from the first bounce, which seems odd because you think that's the first thing you would have every single game, regardless of everything else that happens and plays out for the rest of the game. That first bounce, you'd think the intensity and everything would be there from the get-go. Mm. And maybe that's been an issue, whatever that has been mentally has let us down. But you look at the pressure from this game, it was there, red hot from that start of that contest. And it just makes such a difference. Things sort of didn't go away a little bit. And definitely in the second quarter, we were challenged a little bit. But just from that start, setting that tone, pressure, tackle, hunting, work rate, it's insane how much that goes a bit a long way. Oh, 100%, mate. And if you, I'm not going to go through all our eight defeats, but <laughs> um, there's certainly a few defeats there that um, the Adelaide one, comes to mind first mm. quarter we were terrible i think the collingwood game we were terrible early uh particularly mm. the four and a half or actually first half um there was always a quarter or so in every loss that we would just would yeah. just drop right off Switch off and the opposition you know they, they made us pay um i think one of the things that when you talk about tackling pressure the last game we were the one that really tipped me over the edge was the Essendon game. Um, oh, yeah. That one, that one really got to me. It tipped me over the edge and end up saying a few things that, look, I don't I don't really regret because, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I shoot from the hip and, and it's from the heart and it's because I love we're the all, We're all feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. But when you look at um, the 33 tackles that we had in that game, 33 tackles, let that sink in for a minute. But then yeah. the week after against um, who did we play the week after? Was it Gold Coast or Hawks? Gold Coast was. It? Yeah, we had the. Oh, sorry, yeah, we had the buy. Yeah, had Gold the Coast and the buy. Well, yeah, something like yeah. So we had Gold Coast. I think we had sixty-nine tackles. Mm. Then the Hawks game, we had eighty-seven. And then this week we had seventy-two. That's mm. a far cry from thirty-three, just quietly. It is, and it's good to do as well that. We're doing it without the football, you know. We dominate possessions in this, and, and you do that in the last two games as well. But even if you're not winning the tackle count in, in games because, obviously, you got more of the ball, it's harder to, to win the tackle count. But we're up there, and we're tackling in droves, and you just look at the start, like the first quarter, plus four tackles. But the big one, and this is something we, we haven't seen a lot, is the forward half pressure. Well, plus eight tackles inside 50. We had 10 mm at quarter time, which is just absolutely ridiculous and shows you what we were able to do in this game of football. And I know myself going into this, I was definitely not confident because you play, you know, let's be honest, a Gold Coast team, they were playing some good football, but it is Gold Coast. You play Hawthorne, you get the wins and 
you can definitely be confident about it. But okay, now we play Freo away. They're not in amazing form, but they're they're not an easy team to beat, particularly away from home. So you're kind of thinking, well, what Carlton is going to actually rock up here? Is it what we've seen the last two weeks or is it what we've seen for majority of this season? And that was kind of the impressive thing for me of, of seeing a Carlton that you'd hope you'd see. And and speaking of seeing, and that segment again in the match build-up, the well, what were we hoping to get out of this? What did we want to see? My, my thing was, okay, it's fine to bring it against the Hawthorns, bring it against the Gold Coast, but a big question mark on this group have been when the pressure's there, when another team, you know, starts to get a bit of momentum, puts the pressure on you, what happens? And are we going to see the Carlton we saw in the last two weeks? And that's what probably impressed me the most because not only, obviously, we bought the pressure to start the game, Freo kind of matched it at the start, definitely. They did. And, and then we, but from that first quarter, we continue to bring it. And we started to dominate that territory game. We, we didn't probably get the reward. I thought we obviously were four goals up at that quarter. And, you know, again, kept a, a team goalless in a first quarter, which is yeah. definitely impressive. But I think recent times we've probably struggled when we haven't really capitalized on our dominance. We haven't got that on the scoreboard. And second quarter, all of a sudden, Frio kicked the first two. The deficit is halved immediately. And and I, we were messaging a little bit throughout the yeah. game. And, you know, you start to get a little bit nervous thinking that the mental fragility of this side, you know, when it gets tested, we go into our shells, we completely drop away. But you kind of saw us continue to push on. We kept the pressure up, eventually wrestled back the momentum. And even though in that sort of second quarter, we, we lost a lot of the stats there, negative seven in disposals, lost the uncontested by four, you know, lost the clearances battle as well. Frio start to dominate a bit. We wrestled it back mm. and end, end the half with the same um, four goals up as we did at quarter time. And you start to think, well, maybe, you know, if you're Frio, they've brought it. And all of a sudden it's gone back to what it was at quarter time. That's got to hurt them. And again, going back to what we've kind of touched on this whole time, we just kept fighting we we sort of ultimately persisted and that showed in that third quarter when you don't drop away eventually even if you maybe aren't getting the reward on the scoreboard if you bring that heat bring the pressure and work rate eventually you get it on the scoreboard and that's something i was impressed with that when things weren't necessarily going our way for bits in that game whether it was on the scoreboard or frio bringing the pressure we persisted with every single thing that we've wanted to see and ultimately you run away with it and the game's over at three-quarter time. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on um, keeping teams goalless. Um, that generally is us, by the way. Um, yes, definitely. But, but, you know, this this time it was like uh, three weeks ago, uh, I think it was Gold Coast, we kept them goalless in the second mm. term. Yeah. The Hawks, we kept them goalless for a half. Half of football. The whole first half. And then on the weekend, we kept Frio down uh, goalless in the first and third term. Massive, yeah. So, Correct. So there's five, five quarters of footy that we've kept sides in the last three weeks to no goals. Mm. Now, again, that is generally us on the end of mm. that. And when you look at what those teams scored, I think 6, 9, 7, 10 and 8, 13, that really sounds like a Carlton mm. score. Yeah. In those eight weeks that we failed, failed dismally, that mm. sounds like a Carlton score. Now, we handed out 10-goal losses 
to those three sides. It's it's insane. Um, and as good as it is, it kind of makes you a little bit um, um, angry, would you say? That, yeah. That, that, that those eight weeks we, we weren't able to pinch a few of them, I guess. Mm. Um, and there, there were opportunities in those games where um, I just didn't feel we, we dug in hard yeah. enough. And I think that's – I don't know what the conversation has been since that mm. um, Essendon game. But, I mean, Voss has probably come out and said a few things, but it certainly sounds to me like they've had a bit of a heart-to-heart, you know, players, coaches, mm. and, you know, enough is enough sort of thing. And even supporters, you know, we go, we go in our droves and yes. you're scratching your head. You look at, the, you look at what we're capable of and you look at what, we're, what we were producing and it was chalk and cheese. So there obviously had to be something wrong. Um, now I can't put a finger on it. Um, you know, you could you could mention many things, um, but at the end of the day, it has turned for us. We've got a big one on the weekend mm. coming up. But um, no, I, I think some of the things that I've noticed is we've talked about pressure, but I always noticed that around the ball, where our midfielders like well now, instead of just Kicking that dump kick out of a out of a out of congestion or out of a stoppage, they look to always handball mm. them, whether it be forward handball, uh, whether it be someone in a better position, someone behind them. They are looking to handball, mm. and our midfielders do handball a lot. I think at one stage I saw Cripps had had four kicks and twenty one handballs. Uh, That's what it should be. <laughs> and it doesn't phase yeah. me off. <laughs> as long as we as long as we win, if it's working, yeah. if it's working, do it. So um, that's just something I noticed mm. that our handball ratio, I think, has been up the last few weeks, and uh, mm. and just and just getting on with it, you know, just playing instinctively, getting on with it. Oh, and certainly, one thing is hitting the V in front of yeah. goal, um, like that hot spot. It's been. You know, you could blind Freddie can see what we're trying to do there. Like we we mm. took all that. We've been taking a lot of shots from the boundary line previously. Now we are making a concerted effort to get that ball into the hot spot. Um, so, and I think that's paid some dividends mm. too. Obviously, yeah. No, I think you nailed it. And looking at, I guess the the, the obviously shifts in game style to an extent. Because look, when we were playing poorly and. We had that stretch where, what, you win like two games out of 10 or, or whatever it was. It, it, we were analysing it almost too much on the podcast where you could basically name every single facet of the game and it wasn't going well. There was lack of tackle pressure. It seemed like work rate was down. We were moving the ball too slow. Everything was everything was wrong. And it feels like in the last three weeks, almost every single one of those has had an uptick. We're improving in those areas. The work rate's better. We're moving the ball faster and we're looking for those short handballs. And what's kind of impressed me on, on top of that, because Lockie was big on talking about that Essendon game and trying to find a positive in, it seemed like the first week where when we got the ball, we were looking to move it and it didn't pay off all the time. And we had obviously issues in that game that saw us lose in a horrific manner, but it was the first time we almost looked to move the handball and the evolution, I think since then, and what I noticed a lot in this Frio game was it wasn't just a move the ball at all costs. It was for the first time with this group, when we won the ball, 
it was like every single person in the team knew what we were doing with it. We knew we were going to have a man in that position. The hands went to here. We moved the ball to the wing. We moved the ball through the guts. It was just a final first time. It looks like we're moving as a cohesive unit and whatever switched, whatever switched, what I don't know what has happened with it. Almost don't care what's happened, but they just look defensively and offensively, like they're finally playing like a team and there's this selfless act to it that I think has been impressive. Oh, I think, you know, you nailed it there by saying that they look like a team that actually know where to go with the ball and players were stationed in spots where they just knew they'd be. Um, Oh, look, it's a great observation and I think that's what you look for in the professional side. You know, they together... They're always together. They've been together. This side, well, a large percentage of them have probably been together for, oh, what would you say, four or five years? A mm, large percentage yeah. of that list. So definitely start playing. And I guess this is something that we don't realise is that a lot of them, although they've been on the list, haven't played a lot of footy together mm. for obvious reasons. Um, you know, and you've you've just seen Charlie Kernow played a hundred games. Yeah. He's what in his eighth season or something mm. like that. And Nick Newman play only his hundredth game and he's almost That's thirty, it. which is insane. <laughs> so you know there are there are when you peel everything back, there's there are I I don't like them I don't like to say they're excuses, but there are reasons mm. why you know we mightn't have. Well, there's no excuse for losing eight out of nine. I'll put that on the yes. on the. Uh, but in, in the manner that we lost, but. To say, you know, to think that look, the expectations at the start of the year, like mine were, I honestly thought that we would be a top eight side, you know, mm. but towards the bottom of the eight. Agreed. That's what I thought. Now, when you're, when you're 15th on the ladder, you know, you, you really question just about everything, don't you? Yeah, it's grim. So it's, it is, it was grim. And now, you know, the boys have, Found something. Coaches must have found something, um, and it's just it's it's nice to to get you know a little bit of reward over mm. the last few weeks. And you know, but how much of it, Ian, is the opposition? Like you probably alluded mm. to that a little bit in Gold Coast and down here and Hawks, you know, dropping off at the moment um, and Frio. Uh, Frio had actually lost three out of their last four. Yeah. Uh, something like that. So the test is going to come. We all know mm. the test will come. Uh, it'll be Saturday night, and there's, you know, a few others after that that is really going to test us. It's going to mm. not make or break us, but it's certainly going to tell us a, a better story going forward. Yeah. Oh, I think you nailed that. Like I had that in a note here and we had a good question that came in from Brad Nickel that asked, are we actually back? Because I think that's been the big sentiment on social media, which look, I love the fans getting up and about after a win. You have to enjoy it, particularly in a season where we haven't had a lot. And obviously, yeah, get the crip out. The Blues are back and, and Lockie's been trying to get me to say those words over the last few weeks. And I've been hesitant. And look, I'm still, I'm still hesitant. And it's because of what I've seen this year, and it probably is a bit of that opposition. Like you can't, you can't forget what we've seen for the bulk of this season. You can't forget where we are on the ladder, and that who have we beaten this year? Apart from Geelong, it's been Frio, which away I think is still a really good win. 
But then it's what Hawthorne, Gold Coast, West Coast, North, GWS. Uh, like who have we beaten? And it's it's that's where I think the test still is for me. Where until we play the teams that are in finals or, or the better contenders for me going for the top eight, until we play those and show that we've got this against them, and when the pressure is really against us, because I think Frio they questioned us a little bit in that second quarter, and we obviously went on with it. I'm very pleased with that. Until a better team comes up against us and really forces it, that's when I think we'll know and the question marks are still kind of going to be there. But what you can't take away from these three weeks is it's not like the wins against, uh, I think, you know, North Melbourne and, and GWS early this year where it felt like we really just scraped the wins. We weren't playing good footy. This were, these were demolitions. These were the teams weren't in it. We absolutely shut out the game. And went on with it. And that's something this Carlton team haven't done. And I think that I'm hoping that this block and particularly this game against Frio really shows these boys that regardless of what the scoreboard is, regardless of of what the opposition is bringing, that if you persist, if you don't drop off, if you continually stick to the task, this relentless work rate, pressure, everything that we've built that you show for four quarters Everything you know that you takes you that it requires you to win a game of football. If you keep bringing it, eventually it's going to work in your favor. And if you don't relent, you're going to win more games of footy than you lose, and you're going to win them by a lot more. And I just hope that this isn't it's such a buzzword, but that nourishment of doing it gives them such a platform for the rest of the season, whether we make finals or not. It builds us for next year when. Uh, hopefully we can start to push towards the, the top part of the eight and, and hopefully onto maybe premierships in the next few years that we're all crossing our fingers for. Yeah, well, you know, you, you do the good thing. If you do the small things correctly, mm-hmm. then the rest sort of follows. But, you know, it starts from commitment, you know, and, and the intensity and, and all the things that we all know that good sides bring. But we just weren't hitting those levels. But yeah. Like it, it to me now, it's you know, when you look at your leadership group, and I speak of you know, um, Walsh, Weedering, Cripps, they're the three leaders, mm. uh, as in captain, vice captain, de- deputy vice captain. You throw in Doc and Sard and Harry and Charlie, and um, and now Chera, who's you know, yeah. just had an enormous season. Like those seven or eight players there, like they are. They're good players. They are very good yeah. players. They probably, you know, I would imagine, they'd all play in any AFL side. Yeah. So when you get them all up and going, and then you throw in whoever you want to mention after that, playing their roles. You know, Nick Newman's having a great season. Yeah. Um, uh, McGovern's, you know, sort of found his way back. You know. In, in an area where, you know, he's not exactly setting the world on fire, but plays his role. Um, I think on the weekend I noticed, what I did notice is that when you've got the three that I mentioned, Walsh, Cripper and Chera starting off in the middle, what we do have after that, I noticed that you've got Cottrell, Doc, Akers, Kennedy, Fogarty, Cunningham, and I noticed that, that they were all on the ground at the same time. Now, that's mm. a lot of guys who can travel up and down the ground. So it's not just your three midfielders, is it? 
Yeah. You've got like, I mentioned seven or eight there, and they're all playing that sort of supporting role, so to speak. So I really like, and I really like the way they're using Doherty at the moment off the wing. Same. You know, I think it's fantastic. Um, and then the, the starting six up forward becomes a four mm-hmm. because really it's only Martin, Owies, Mackay, um, and uh, Charlie, who really like living in the 50, the forward 50, and the rest push up. Mm. The rest actually push up. So um, it, whereas when you had Durden and Motlop, they, 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 they're not exactly seasoned players yeah. to play through that mid area. They're more opportunists or Motlop's an opportunist and Durden was still finding mm. his AFL footy. So I think we're talking about 23, 24-year-olds and, and who have been around a little while that complement those three big guns that we've got in there. Um, and I just feel that... Uh, I mean, it's easy to say when you're winning... But it does yeah. <laughs> feel that, it does feel that the mix has changed somewhat, mm. and for the better. Like Sincotta, Boyd, they're not wholesale yeah. names, Ian, mm. but they play a role. Um, that whole backline of Weeders, Gov, Camp, Sard, Newman, Boyd, Sincotta, it's probably got. It's I reckon there's probably three players in there that perhaps weren't in my mm. uh, side round one. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, and then, and then, of course, you know, the, the ruck situation without TDK and Bitnet, and you're throwing Young and Silvani. Well, if someone had said, whatever round it is, 17, you're not going to have uh, Pitnet and, and TDK, you're going to have Young oh. and Silvani the ruck against Jackson and Darcy. Darcy. They would have said, well, how much to lose by? Yeah. Oh, it's It's ridiculous. <laughs> And and you bring up like a really good point about the mix of the, the squad at the moment and what we're putting out there. And I think you kind of really honestly nail it with talking about the ability to push up the ground. Because I think we saw Motlop and Durden do that quite a lot, but they were so ineffective with it. We were losing so much forward of the ball because it felt like they maybe, whether they weren't in the right positions or just not affecting the contest. When we did win the ball, Players just were all over the place, and, and the forward structure just mm. just wasn't there. And, and now having a guy like obviously a Jack Martin makes a massive difference in that forward line with just creating another dangerous option inside fifty. Mm. His tackle pressure was up this week. You see Fogarty with his unrelenting pressure and, and ability again to to push up and and attend center bounces and affect the contest. Cunningham, another one that's just clearly a, a step above. And obviously, I think personnel's making such a massive difference being able to help that midfield, the midfield maybe trust them more. They can peel off and, and whether they're an option forward or or wherever it is, I, I think personnel is making a massive difference. Are you putting, and I don't know if this is, it's a hard question to necessarily answer, but are you putting down a lot of what we've seen down to coaching mentality or is it is it personnel? Where are you kind of seeing the mix of what the difference has been at least over the last couple of weeks? Um, look, it is a difficult question, um, not being within the four walls, you yeah. know, just looking at it from the outside. I think I think when you hear the coach say we've had some um, harsh or tough or robust mm. 
expectations, you just know that it's been put on them a little bit. Mm. Look, I do know a little bit of something that I know that there's been uh, rumours out there that um, a few players from a few opposition sides have called a soft. Yeah. Um, now, I wouldn't mind betting that a little bit of that gets back to the club. You'd hope so. Well, no, they've all got mates insides and um, that, that would burn. Mm. That would absolutely burn. And then when you see our pressure go up over 200 in a couple of quarters on the weekend, and, and I think it was across the board against, I think it was Gold Coast or Hawthorne, I think it was up around 190 for the whole match. Yeah. And, you know, I've already spoken about the tackle count. You can You can just see that players have almost said, well, enough is enough. Mm. Um, so, and, and, and playing that sort of instinctive type footy and you get, like you say, nourishment on the scoreboard, you can see the smiles. You mm. can see that they're enjoying their footy. Um, and with that comes confidence. But first and foremost, you've all got to buy in. You have to buy in. Mm. You've got to buy into the system. You've got to believe. You've got to believe and you've got to buy in. Once that happens, then you get belief. You get belief, you get confidence. Of course, the results help. Help They help a lot. Um, but, you know, on the weekend, we come up against a Port, Port Adelaide side who they'll be relentless probably for four quarters. Generally speaking, they are, aren't they? Generally yeah. speaking, yeah, they're, they're pretty relentless for four quarters. Now, we have to match them and surpass mm. them. If you want to win the game, you can't, you know, expect to rock up against them and, and put in a, a really poor performance in a quarter and expect to knock them over. Mm. It won't happen. Mm. So that, for me, is going to be something that I'm going to watch in, intently, yeah. that we bring what we've brought in the last few weeks, but this is quality mm. opposition. Right? This is a side that is sitting second. I think they've won 12 or 13 yeah. in a row. They have hardly put a – they've had a little bit of luck along the way, though. They've had, they've had some close wins. Is that right? Yeah, got goal after the siren to to win it against Essendon, and they've definitely had moments that they're beatable. You know that that they're not perfect, but you know you need a bit of luck in a season of AFL football. But they've definitely, I guess, put themselves in those positions to have it fall their way. It's probably a hard. I mean, your question's valid. It's probably a little bit hard to answer. It's probably a little bit about everything that you mentioned. Really, yeah. Oh, don't yeah. be surprised if the coaches have sort of. Um, re-evaluated uh, not so much the mm. way they're coaching, but I reckon they must have tweaked a few things too. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think you can see, by the way, probably from that Sydney-Essendon game that there were elements of it, and then whatever happened has allowed us to just take the game on more and move with a bit more freedom, move with a little bit more confidence. Um, but I, I have to ask the question because obviously – some people are lids off. Some people are blues are back. Everything's perfect. This is the new Carlton. Where do you kind of sit at the moment, particularly going on for the rest of the season? Where is this Carlton team for you? Um, look, I'm a lot older than you and and a lot older than a lot of the uh, podcasters out there these days and a lot of the probably the listeners too. So I've been, I've been around... And I, I, I just know that 
you're best off um, keeping it at a low base, I just yeah. think, because we've sort of been burnt a little bit along the way. Um, I mean, I'm not telling people what they should do. I'm just telling people from my perspective, I like to just keep things real and keep, mm. you know, keep, just keep the perspective. Mm. You've given the outline of the three sides that we've played. Now we could have we could have lost all three too. The way we yeah. were playing, we could have lost all three. Oh yeah. You know, you know, we were eight out of nine. There was people saying oh, we could lose to West Coast. Yeah. 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 Oh, Hawks. Oh, they they can, they can knock us off. Gold mm. Coast. They're coming down here. Oh, they'll, they'll knock us off. Um, so, I guess from that perspective, we have turned a corner and we have put them all to the sword. Now, 10-goal victories, you can't dismiss them. Mm. But but when you've got the opposition that, oh, God, off, off the top of my head, I think we've got Port Adelaide coming up. I know we've got a place in Kilda still, um, uh, Melbourne and Collingwood still. So there's four. I think there's Gold Coast up there and GWS. Yeah, and, and West Coast as well, which obviously, hopefully you, you tick that off. But it's a tough yeah. run. It's a tough run home <laughs> with teams that we have not this yeah. season. Yep. proven that we can beat and we yep. have to. So, so I guess where, where I stand is that we've turned a corner in getting wins on the board. Mm. Now we have to see whether we've turned the corner and we're able to to get wins against quality opposition. Or yeah. sorry, sides in the eight. Sides yes. in the eight. Let's just say sides in the eight. I don't know, you know, I wouldn't know who's going to win the flag this year. At the moment it looks like the top two, but... Anything can happen between mm. now and the end of the year. So we need to show it against top eight sides. That's where I that's where I would stand with all of this. No, no, yeah, look. I know you'd probably love me to say, oh no, we, we just <laughs> you know, we you know, oh, I just can't, you know. Maybe yeah. in my youth I would have, but I would have been talking about a different Carlton in my youth. Yeah, no, look, I I, t- I tend to agree with you because yeah, as I touched on at the start of this, you know, episode, it's hard for me to forget everything before these three weeks, which obviously we're, we're starting to play a different way, but this I still don't have 100% faith that when the pressure comes, when a team is properly on top of us, that we can wrestle it back and whether we win or not, we can at least take the game on and play the way that we want to play because unfortunately with this group, that question mark is still there. We haven't really done it. It's been in... I was, kind of why I was a little bit more impressed with the game against Frio because teams know when you bring the pressure, Carlton can crumble and we showed a bit more resilience. But it's three games of football in a long season. You've seen how quickly it can turn positive. We know how quickly it can turn negative for us. How look at the end of last season. So I'm happy to be positive, of course. And there's, of course, we can. Why not? Why can't we beat Port? Why can't this be... Oh, no, Carlton, 100%. I and I know that you're, oh, that's 100% how you're feeling and, and you do think the same thing. But I think, yeah, at the moment, I agree with you. I'm tempering the expectation a little bit. I'm needing one more win. I'm needing us to, whether we beat Port or not, we, we push them to the end. And it is a good contest. And then when you come up against the teams like St. Kilda and Melbourne, you know, let's, let's beat them. Let's show that we are and whether we make finals or not, we give ourselves the platform for at least next year where I, I, you know, I don't think it's crazy to say we're not winning the flag this year, but let's do everything we can like a Melbourne the year before they won the flag of having that really strong block 
to end the season to give them, okay, this is what we need to do. Let's do it for a full 23 games plus finals the season after. Yeah. Look, I mean, I agree with most of that. Um, the one thing that I sort of, I'm not going to say I disagree with, but I think we're sort of, because <laughs> um, I know Lockie normally agrees with everything you're saying. <laughs> just it's nice to have some, something different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I just, when you say it could, it could springboard us into next year, that I understand what you're saying, but this, this year is still very alive. Um, oh, yes. yes. Four points out of the eight. And I know we're a little bit of percentage away from Geelong, but, you know, seven games to go, it's all about this mm. year. Um, and, mm. and, look, when it becomes when if and when, and hopefully it doesn't become mathematically impossible, then, of course, you start thinking about what you're trying to do for next year. I, I get that. But right now, she's alive. Mm. She's absolutely oh. alive. I def- definitely agree with that. And I like that you sort of picked that up because I'm hoping that everyone inside the club, everyone is going, you know, win every single game. This is it. You oh, know? And maybe yeah, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's something we need where potentially last season, I know a few people in the Carlton community have brought this up saying that maybe at the end of last year, is there a part of them that had the mentality of, okay, we just need to win one game out of the next four or two games out of it instead of maybe going in thinking, it's all of them. And and does that 1% that you're off cause it? Whereas now we're going into this rest of the season having to go, you can't afford to drop any. You know, we, we, when you do the math, then maybe it's two, but I don't think the players can have that mentality because as soon as you do that, you lose the next game. You lose against West Coast. You have that blip. So I agree with you. I think 100% season's still on. You go for that. It's probably just me trying to protect myself in what if we don't maybe make finals and things don't go that way that I'm maybe looking bigger picture thinking that, yeah. well, if everything everything else fails, if you can at least have this block, and, and that was kind of what I was looking at before we had this uptick in, look, if we're shit for the rest of the season, I need to see enough to get excited about next year. Yeah. And and this is this is that, that next step. We've got that confidence back. We need to have a red-hot crack at this for this year and try to push into finals because obviously if there's some tough games, but there's teams in that bottom half of the eight that do not look like they should be top eight sides right now. And they're up for grabs and it's a close competition. Anything can happen. Well, I made the comment to, um, well, I won't say who it was, but it was, it's definitely someone pretty high up at the car. <laughs> uh, you probably can't go any higher. Um, I made the comment. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit perplexed at, uh, at sides like perhaps Essendon mm. and Builder who I thought, who I honestly thought that we would surpass this year. Yeah. And, like, looking at those two, well, I'm not saying that they're cemented into the eight by any stretch, but I would have thought we would be in their position right mm. now. Um, yeah. And and, it, and, that, and that's a disappointing part that, I mean, we know our footy. I think we know our footy. Um, and we watch enough of it to think, well, um, you know, Essendon and Kilda, on what we sort of showed last year, I thought we're going to be better than them this year. Honestly, did. But mm. the facts are that both of those sides knocked us off. Yeah, convincingly. Mm. So it's it's a bitter pill to swallow. It's now what went wrong again. I can't answer you know all those questions. It's you know we can't keep looking yeah. back. We've got to look forward. You know to to what you can you know bring now in the next seven weeks. But we get a chance to play one of those sides again. 
in St Kilda. Um, and I'd like to think, you know, we'll be able to handle them. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. It's a tough mm. one. It's, it's an interesting question. It's a question that I know that a lot of people will now ask, you know, in our finals and all the rest of it. But you're best off keeping it low-key, I think, anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I said, <laughs> who am I, you know? Yeah. Oh. Mate, well, and, and, it, and the thing is, we win if we beat Port. That's when you start to oh, think, well, okay. If well, and if it's a convincing win too, then you're going, well, God, what can we do? And you start to really get the ladder predictor yeah. out and getting all into that. But I agree yeah. with you. It's kind of until we start really proving it against these sides, that's when you need That's when you need to show it. Until we do, you need the wins to, to get on the board um a couple of other things i want to cover until we before we get into the listener questions because there's heaps to cover um it's talking about some more positives in this and we've touched on you know defensive efforts and physical pressure but there are probably two moments i really wanted to highlight and i'd love to get your thoughts on them and then any other big moments from this game or individual performances you'd love to touch on but i just thought that there were two moments i saw that were kind of quintessential in what we were about and what gave us that win. And one was Jordan Boyd's one-on-one contest win in defense. And so many times in that game, you could feel the perceived pressure on Frio. There was one where I think it was Amos goes to get the ball and all he has to do is take it cleanly and he walks into an open goal. And there was just that little bit of, well, I know there's someone coming for me. And just that 1% makes him fumble. All of a sudden, we, we win the ball back. We make it a contest. And the Jordan Boyd one was massive where does he have a right to really win that contest? Should he be doing it? But he does everything mm. to make sure he gets it done. And those moments just build you. And then the other big one was from Jack Martin, who it was a big bump on their captain. Massive statement made where, you know, he's probably thinking I might not be quick enough to maybe win this ball. And these are the little things that I think of have been the clear changes over the last month of football in, well, what can I do to affect this contest? What can I do to maybe just get the percentages on our side? And in that case, it was turn the body and get some physical contact. And that bump was massive. And and those little things have just been such big moments for this group. And I I just hope they continue. What we kind of thoughts on those? And do you have any other main talking points from the game you'd love to cover? First of all, Liam, that's why you run a podcast. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you, you pick out these things that, you know, perhaps other people might not sort of, you know, people always look at the, you know, the, the, the main players who, you know, kick the goals and set up the goals and whatever. But, you know, Jack Martin, people, you know, you, you need to understand he's been out of the game for a fair while. Yeah. Um, and he's had trouble with that calf and a few other issues that, you know, we don't bring up, but there's been some issues along the way. Now, for him to come back in the last three weeks, um, I'm going to be honest. I thought he was a player that I didn't think we'd seen him. I didn't Mm -hmm. think we'd seen him this year. I agree. For all sorts of different reasons. Um, But when you see him come in, and I thought his first half, he was quite fumbly. Mm. Um, and I think I mentioned to you that I thought yeah. he had to lift a little bit at halftime. And he did. But he mm. did. He lifted in spades. And that moment you mentioned, and I know you say it's only little. It's not little, mate. Yeah. That's not little. 
Anyone who's played footy knows that that ain't little. Mm. It means a lot. Yeah. That means a hell of a lot. And he gains a lot of respect from his teammates for something like that. The other one you mentioned was Jordan. And I'm glad you mentioned Jordan Boyd because, again, we can talk about the top eight players that we have in our side till the cows come home. Generally, they don't let you down. But they had been letting us down. Mm. But when they, generally, you know what you're going to get from those, those players. But you don't know what you're going to get from your bottom six. And it's no disrespect to Jordan yeah. Ward to say that he's in their bottom six. I'm not saying that to disrespect him. I'm basically saying it because this is what we've been after. We've been after these these role players that, you know, he's not going to get his um, 25 possessions a game. But mm. when he does get the ball, he wants to use it. When he knows he has to defend, he wants to defend. He has to defend. Mm. To keep his spot, he needs to defend. And that moment there, I would say, in years gone by, whatever player that was would have lost that contest. Yep. And I think Kemp had a one-on-one similar situation. Wasn't as clean as Boydie, but still, you know, halved the contest. Mm. Down that same end, I think it might have been against... uh, Oh, it might have been against Frederick, maybe. I can't quite. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. And, and he got it out, out, out of bounds. So these, as you say, little wins, they're, they're big. Yeah. They're big because, you know, those sorts of situations, again, we're used to losing those contests. Mm. <laughs> you know, we, we're used to being on the end of that bump. But to see them doing those things, you know, it just. It lifts your spirits. It does, and and mm. don't don't honestly, they're not little. They're big, mm. you know. To see Weedering now, um, you know uh, that that's something that just I just kept saying here. I was just watching this, saying this bike's a rock. Yeah, oh, he's just a unbelievable. Rock. You know, so I love the way that he's leading from the front down back, um, and I think there's a stat I sent you um, about Weedering. I think he's yes. gone. Uh, was it forty-two to six, and from twenty-two to second in the comp or something for? Was it inter- intercept marks? Intercept, intercept marks, which is incredible, a, a massive stat. Um, mm. Which is, I mean, he, he was clearly down. Everyone could see it, and you, you've you've mentioned it beautifully throughout this talking about obviously that it starts from your leaders because Lockie and I mentioned at the mid-season review episode just talking about well, okay, let's name every player right now on the list that has at least played as well as they did last year or better. And you could you could barely name them. And it was the disappointing part. And obviously you expect so much from those guys. And now to see them obviously play with a bit more confidence and Weedering's been incredible. His ability down back to, to be solid, be the one you can rely on, peel off his, opposite, his opponent more and go for those intercepts rather than just being the one-on-one. He's getting the ball and immediately looking to go. It was something I was heavily criticizing him earlier on the season where he's just got it and went a bit too slow. And I thought that hurt us, but mm. his turnaround has helped that defense and, you know, it helped Sard out. It, I think the addition oh, of oh, I thought Sard was, oh, I really like Sard's game. Every single person in that back line plays better because everyone around them is playing better and it lifts them. And 
Uh, you're talking about how big those moments are, and it's what I like to see. It's it's seeing these blocks, seeing the shepherds, the unrewarded leads and running from these guys to draw opponents out of the space, actually put on a proper shepherd. We don't see that, and we haven't seen that for years from this team where they kind of actually make it count, and it's yep. the little things that have definitely been the impressive part of this. It's whether you're winning the ball or not, you have to make sure that every single moment that you're involved counts, and I feel like we're starting to see that, and I think you're getting rewarded with those little things that we don't see of a coast-to-coast goal that we walked it in. I think it was yeah. might have been Matty always that ends up yeah. getting yeah. it, but we don't we don't do those those no. little things. We we haven't had that in years, and it's just been so nice to finally sit back and enjoy the, the reward for the hard work that has seemingly gone into at least the last few weeks, and you just got to hope it continues. Sure, just a couple of lesser likes. Um, but I think they need they need to mention, uh, mm. and we've already mentioned them. But to be a little bit more specific on Jack Silvani and yes. um, and yeah. Lewis, like Youngie mm. had, uh, and look, we all know he was dropped. I think he was dropped. Yeah, um, back he wasn't playing well. He looked like a a rabbit in lights. At um, particularly against Essendon, I think he had a really poor game. Mm. Um, I think it was Essendon. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. For him to, um, you know, get that opportunity in the ruck the last couple of weeks and, you know, halve the contest. And, and on the weekend, he had, I think he had 13 possessions, but eight of them were contested. Yeah. And he had six, ta- oh, yeah, five or six tackles. And, and I think he won a few clearances himself. So mm. this is a guy that was probably being questioned as being a little bit timid, let's yeah, say. Definitely. But, you know, they throw him in the ruck. And all of a sudden, he steps mm. up. So yep. I think that's a, a really good tick there for for, for him um, coming off such a poor game against Essendon. Uh, Jack Silvani, well, you know, I've heard some, you know, I've heard some rumours about him over the last month or so. Um, you know, he's got a foot out the door. He's not happy, and you know, this, that, and the other. Which, you know, they're rumours. Rumours are just rumours, you know. You hear a lot of stuff. But, um, boy, he stepped up the last couple of weeks, you know. And if he's that – if he can be that utility ruckman that gets around the ground and helps out, well, he he adds a different dimension when he's playing like that. And I think he has also – I don't know. Like I said, I'm not in the four walls, but it looks like he's really pulled his finger out too. So – um, really happy to see those two sort of perform. Um, but again, they've got a big job this week. I don't know if TDK will play or I'm yeah. pretty sure Pittman won't, but um, they've got a big job, big job mm. ahead of them. Yeah. Again, oh, you, can get away, you can get away with it the last, you know, when I say you can get away with it, you can get away with it against Hawthorne because their rucks are not, I don't think their rucks are anything special. Mm. But these two guys are, are highly oh. ranked, aren't they? You know, and, and oh, definitely. And they had 70 hit-outs to, to like 20. And, and I think six, six of our hit-outs were from Harry Mackay in the forward <laughs> line. You know, I think we had 18 hit-outs and I think um, Youngie had 10, Jack had two, and I think Harry had six. So mm. is Harry the new Ruckman? <laughs> well, it's well, in, it's definitely been thrown out there as, as something to, to happen because I think, well, I mean, the number one Ruck is still up for conjecture that number two definitely is and the number two position has been maybe more the worry because 
well, who is it? If it's, let's just say it feels like the number one's pit when he's fit. It feels like yeah. that is the mold. So then, well, okay. What can De Koning do in that role? Is he Can he do enough down forward? Does he do enough marking around the ground? And then if it's Sauce, well, we've, we've had a lot of issues with Silvani, I, I guess, playing that second role. There's a few games he plays well, and then he has kind of gone missing. And for the last two weeks, and I've been so critical of, of Sauce, really, for the last year or so, really questioning what's his role and, and what can he do. But if he's playing like this, this is incredible mm-hmm. form where – you know, yeah, he might lose the hit out, but it's his willingness to compete. And even if his opposition is winning the hit out, how effective is that because of the work he is putting in? And everything around the ground has been incredible from from them. And then the midfield on top of that, having to work that little bit harder. It's insane that that you know they can win the hit outs by what was it, fifty two, and it it doesn't seem to have an issue on the clearances. I think we lost center clearances by one one stoppage by seven in the end and mm. wouldn't think that it would have that kind of outcome. So I want to jump straight into the listener questions to talk about the yeah, rush sure. because they definitely were incredible. It was something I was worried about going into this game and you can hold your head head held high. Even if you lose the hit outs, everything else they did nullified the effect. And we got one from Bryzer who says, is it delusional to think our midfield seems to work really well in this un- unorthodox way? Um you got another one from, they're all kind of similar, so I'll throw them out together. We've got mm-hmm. one from Tony says, is it a coincidence that we're playing better with these two in the ruck? And then one from SC that says, can Lewis Young and Sauce continue to be our ruckman or do we bring back TDK, Pitt? What's your kind of thoughts on what it's like moving forward? And do you think that maybe mm-hmm. we've accidentally unlocked a better way to play with these rucks? What's your thought on the ruck conundrum right now? Uh, I'd love to be able to answer it after Adela- <laughs> uh, after Port Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, look, look, uh, it's a difficult one. Um, well, for starters, I don't know if McGovern will get up this week. So if McGovern doesn't play, Young might go back. TDK might come in, and you'll have TDK Silvani rucking again. I don't think you lose anything with TDK taking the ruck over from Youngie. Mm. So I'm, I'm going TDK ahead of Young. But yep. the second Ruckman, I'm happy to have Sauce. Hmm? I'm happy to have Sauce. Um, it's, it's, it's not imperative that we have Pitonet TDK. I think that's what yeah. maybe what we found out. Uh, but it's also a lot to do with the mix and the, and the mental attitude of our midfield, hmm. um, those six or seven or eight that we've talked about. Um, it's really easy for... You know, us to look at the fact that we had the two well, indifferent ruckmen, as opposed to the stock standard ruckman, and say, "Well, we won our last two without a ruckman. Is that the way to go?" Um, the the pit the pit net one that's the one that kind of worries me a little bit because mm. he's a tap he's a tap ruckman who does give his well supposedly give his gives his Midfielders' first purchase. The stats are sort of saying that, but but other than that, mm. you know, what's his ability to get around yeah. the ground and compete? I, I think it's that's a worry. That's a worry. That one. So jury out there with him. Um, but he was our number one number one ruckman. Yeah. So, but watching how our our team's playing at the moment, oh, I'd be happy with 
it doesn't bother me if it's TDK mm. and Silvani. Yeah. Oh, it, it's hard to not be upset with the way it's going at the moment. And yeah. it is hard to really answer it because while everything else has been working well around it, we haven't seen what it's like maybe. We've seen, what, one game with De Koning, one game with Pitnet, which was the, mm. the Gold Coast game. Well, it worked pretty well then. So is is it down to the rucks? Is it down to the midfield working harder? Hard to I really think it's probably the midfield. It's probably yeah. the midfield. I think that's mm. the, the key to this is, you know, if your midfield's going well, then it, it doesn't really matter who you've got in the ruck. Yeah. You know, you could, have, you could have Tony Liberatore in the ruck and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it's an interesting thing you raise about Pitt, and, and it's clearly his deficiency is what he offers around mm. the ground. And I think definitely for the second Ruckman, whoever that ends up being, it needs to be someone that really competes hard at ground level and it's everything else around the stoppage. Mm. But I think we're also probably finding that we probably really do, and whoever this ends up being, we need someone that does offer more than a hit out. We clearly do need hit outs. I think that is the one thing that I think some people are potentially getting carried away thinking, doesn't matter who's in the ruck, you don't need to win the hitouts. I think when you come up against better teams, better midfields that run a lot deeper, your ruckman does definitely matter. If you're not getting first use when things go against you in those high finals mm. pressure moments, you need first use. I mean, just look at the I, my mind goes to the doggies Melbourne grand final when yeah, that third quarter sure. you need the hit outs yeah. you need that to oh. work for you but apart, apart from that maybe we are finding that having a ruckman that's just a tap ruckman is hurting us in other facets from what we're potentially losing but I guess maybe we just don't have that person on the list unless it is a deconing that can develop into that yeah. role but it definitely raises some big questions and I kind of yeah. agree with you at the moment. TDK comes in if fit for Lewis Young, but Sauce has kind of deserved and earned that second role for the next yeah. couple of weeks at least yeah. to see how it's going. You, you can't be dropping him, even though if you listen to the selection table at, on Pommy and Oz on YouTube, I did drop him last week because I said if Pitt and TDK are, are fit, you play your best rut combo, but I'm happy to have egg on my face if it means Sauce is playing the, the way that he is. <laughs> Well, the, the sauce thing's an interesting one. If you've got Harry and Charlie up there, well, I want sauce to push up. I don't yes. want him next to them. I don't want mm. him anywhere near him. So just push up the ground and become that extra outlet player, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and leave it to Martin or Cunningham and Owies to be around his feet. Uh, and and just get sauce up the ground. Get get him involved. Mm. Um, don't have him in the in that forward fifty, um, because the other two are going to work it out. Um, I think they had ten shots. Of, uh, I think they had ten shots of goal between them on the weekend. That's big. And um, they, they kick six four. That's generally what they do, though, Ian. You know, like that yeah. is, that's their average. That's their average mm. across their across their whole career. Both players were at about I don't know two and a half to three goals a game, and, and even in mm. their losses, they were kicking four, five, six goals. But we didn't have anyone kicking goals um, from them. other than them. Uh, so I guess when you look at the last three weeks, and I don't know exactly, but I think it's been nine nine goal kickers, ten goal kickers, nine goal kickers, or something like that, in the last three weeks. That, that goes back to my era, mate. That yeah. goes back to my era. That that brings tears to my eyes to to to, to hear that, to see that. I mean, I love that. You know, mm. I absolutely love that. Um, there was one other thing that did you pick up on the. The Cripper, 
Yeah, I saw that. Saw a bit of that. He um he, he he's, he's done that once before. He didn't do that, but I think he walked into the can't remember who we beat. Might have been Sydney, and he said um, he said something like oh, the Blues are back or something. Yeah, like that. Gold Coast. It was yeah. against Gold Coast. Oh. I think the following week we lost, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, my daughter was watching that on the weekend, and she you, you know how she myself and her we go every week and we're tight as anything, and she's mad, 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 Carlton. Seen nothing like a lot of um, the youngsters, mm. but going back a few weeks ago, um, she was pretty down and out about things, mm. and so was I. You know, it was one week me saying, oh, I've had it, I can't go on with this. It was one week her saying the same, and her picking mm. me up, and me picking her up, and you know, we got back into the swing of things and just said, you know what, let's just go to the footy and whatever happens, happens and just yeah. stop, you know, stop your whinging, you know. But she texts me at um, three-quarter time and this gets me emotional, but when she saw Cripper smack the chest, you know, yeah. she had a tear. She had a tear. Mm. That's what it means. Yeah. Oh, it's those little things, and it's. I remember. I always, I always remember this. It was only a few weeks ago. It might have been in the mid-season review, or, or maybe it was after the Essendon game where Lockie actually posed the question to me because we we're obviously being critical about everything. And it, I mean, you, you're touching on it there, and I think every Carlton supporter felt the same. Where you were going, I don't want to go this week. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. It's so frustrating. And then you eventually kind of you will yourself to be like, maybe it's this week. And Lockie asked the question, you know. Do you love these boys? Like, is this, do you like the playing group? And it was kind of, I don't know anymore because I thought I did, but they're bringing me so much pain that it's so frustrating. And then you see those little moments, you see the little bumps, you see them celebrate goals and you're like, no, I'm an idiot. I was just down. Of course I love these boys. And it's, you care so much because you want to see these guys in particular do it. Like obviously the jumper, all of that comes first than the players, but they're the ones out there doing it and giving everything. And you see a guy like Cripper that stats come out after that game or how many games he hasn't played in a final. And it's like, shut up. Who gives a shit? He's someone that plays for this, plays for us so much. And to see him get a little bit of joy back in this and clearly want to do it for, for the broader part of Carlton. It, I mean, that, those little things that mean so much as a fan. And we kind of touched on it a little bit there, talking about the goals. I want to bring up this question from... One of the great listeners of this show, super bad, who asked for some reason we've been looking for that extra pass inside 50 for an easier shot on goal. Do you think this is instructed or are the group just finally clicking in what they're trying to do? Well, it's something I've definitely noticed. It's a good question. It's something I've definitely noticed after the last, last three weeks. There's mm. no doubt we have been looking for that um, better opportunity at, at goal. So has it been instructed? It certainly looks that way because I yeah. haven't I haven't seen them do that mm. all year. Like they go to the pockets, you know. Yeah. That's why Harry's kicking them all over the joint, and and you know, players that you know, it's a low percentage from the boundary line. So, um, I think it's been trained and instructed. I mm. think it's that because it's been yeah. for me. I can see them looking inside all the time. So. It's a good observation, and I would say it's been um, pushed from well, whether it be the yeah. 
the main coach, whether the senior coach or mm. Hampton, something's mm. changed there. It feels like it's been a focus, and it, it's it's obviously so many different layers. I think the mentality, the work rate, and, and that forward mix, and and you know, you look at Hanson's been given a lot of crap over the season for how dysfunctional this forward line has worked, and and maybe there's an element of they finally got that mix right, and that's making things look better. But I think it, it has to have been a directive in the way we are moving that ball inside fifty and and moving for dummy leads out the way and you know, looking at the inside 50 um, way we have been moving it. I, I go to the, one of the goals. I think it was the first quarter where Newman has it outside 50. He finds Chera and you go, beautiful. Chera's going to have a set shot. All of a sudden he finds Owies again. And it was like mm. Newman, Newman could have had the shot at goal. He's given it to Chera. He gives it to Owies. It reminds me of, I think it was the Brisbane game where they did that to us, where Gunson has the ball and you think he's going to take a set shot from the boundary and he chips it short and then chips it short again. And you're going like, are we switched on? How many times yep. do teams do that to us when we've been poor? Oh, of just this time. little chip, chip. And it's like you've switched off mentally. And to see us finally do these little things that teams have done to us, uh, it's just, it's massive and you can't, you can't help but be smiling about these these little things. So yeah, it was a no, great observation. I love it from that from super bad. Absolutely. Beautiful. We move on to another couple of questions. I'll try to get through them nice and quickly here. A big one that maybe we don't have the answer to. We've alluded to it a little bit. It's from Baggers. Oh, sorry, it's from where are we? I'm losing it here. Yeah, well, he's from Baggers for Life, who says well, we've kind of answered the first bit in how we explain the turnaround, but the big question, how do we keep it going for the rest of this season? Hmm. It's yeah, tough. If, I knew, if I knew the answer to that, <laughs> <laughs> my name would be Michael Voss or, <laughs> or Dennis Pagan or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, it's, it, it is, it's built on belief and confidence. Mm. Yeah. If you keep believing yourself and, and you've you got that confidence... Um, Sure, we might drop it. We might drop one here or mm. there, and maybe we fall short at the end of the year. But if we know these boys have had a crack, you know, it's been three weeks. We've got another seven. If they have a crack every week, and mm. I mean a serious crack every week, yeah. and we'll know that. You know, you sense that. You know that. You can feel that. You see that. I um, mean, if we get beaten by a better side on the weekend, and we've given everything, well, so be it. You know, you know, so mm. be it. And if we fall short and finish ninth or tenth again, so be it. Um, we only got ourselves to blame to get ourselves in this situation. Um, you can't be sitting here saying, oh, gee, we're unlucky. Well, hang on. You lost eight out of nine mm. and you lose two on the way in in the last seven. So you, you can't be sort of too despondent about it. But how do you keep it? Mm. It's all about belief. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, ask Collingwood. Mm. Ask Collingwood. Ask Port Adelaide. You know, it's 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 built around belief. Listen to their coaches. It's mm. built around belief. I mean, Hinkley talks about, you know, they're a highly contested side. So we, um, Collingwood, well, you hear um, McRae talk about it's all built on belief. And, mm. you know, you make a mistake. Don't worry about the mistake. Get to the next contest. Yeah. You know, worry about what you're going to do next. You can't fix mm. the problem. You can't fix the mistake you just made. Yeah. So get on to the next one. Yeah, so, uh, 100%. It's built on belief. That, that, I believe mm. it's built on belief. I always say two arms, two legs, and a brain, and it's 90% above the shoulders. So, mm. oh, yeah. I, I wrote down through that like mentality. That's oh, everything's falling in my room. If you heard that clang, but 
Um, mentality is what it is for me. Like the belief, it's literally above the shoulders. You've seen it when we've been down and, it, you know, everything that comes from that. You've seen the work rate lift. You've seen the pressure lift. I feel like all of that is coming off that belief. So I think you've absolutely nailed it. Um, we've got one here from Soj who asks, he sort of wants us to discuss, and he sent us a bit of a screenshot, talking about Harry's defensive efforts because, the, the, the blurb here is that Harry Mackay had laid more than two tackles in a game only once this season before round 14. In the past three games, he has laid a total of 12 tackles at an average of four per game. I guess off the back of this, his form in front of goal has seemingly improved. He's all, he also had a team high three inside 50 tackles against Frio from this pressure. So I guess off this, I've got to ask you the question, how important to the team is Harry's pressure in bringing that you know, defensive pressure overall, and, and how much has that kind of improved his confidence and resulted in better goal kicking? Uh, you know, he, he, he was clearly, for mine, in the best three players on the mm. weekend on yes. our side. Um, I think he had, oh, he took, I don't know how many marks he took, but it seemed like he there. What about his, um, what about his score involvements and assists and that sort of stuff? So they kicked 3-2. Yeah. His work rate, you know, when you see your big boys, you know, mm. working hard and getting some results, not just on the scoreboard, but the little things like to say about the tackling, pressure, a smother or anything like that, mm. I think it's invaluable. I think, you know, a, a player like him was being questioned weeks ago um, because of, you know, it, but everyone gets the yips in front of goals. Yeah. Um, it just happens, you know. Mm. I, you know, you wouldn't be human if you don't have those sort of, um, thoughts go through your mind from time to time, but um, I think he's very important. Actually, I think he's really, really, really important mm. for the structure of our side. Him and Charlie, obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, no, he, <laughs> he's you need Harry. Yes, oh, definitely. His his work rate around the ground's been good all year. It's clearly just been that inside fifty work and. I think you've seen that uptick in pressure from everyone. And then to see it from a big guy being able to set the tone, definitely a leader in that forward line, I think it speaks volumes because if a big guy like Harry can chase, well, if you're, I don't know, Matty Owies, Fogarty, Martin, whoever it is, you're going, oh, well, shit, well, I've got to do it. If he's doing it, if he's getting on his bike, well, I have to as well. And I think that the goal-kicking yips, I've been a bit hot on. I just think a lot of the opportunities we were giving him in front of goal weren't obviously that high percentage, we weren't making it easy for Harry. It's like, okay, you're not obviously kicking them well. So here's a set shot 70 metres out on the boundary. Yeah, well, exactly. what are the odds of him kicking that to, And then he misses that one. The rest of the team are starting to miss in front of goal. And it's obviously going to build. And I think there's an element of Harry, and you see this every single season, there's a part of him that, He's always got a big blunder in him. I go back to he runs about the whole field of the ground, has an open goal in front of him, misses. I think it was against the Doggies years ago. And he always seems to have a really big brain fade in him. I think that's just Harry. You ride the roller coaster up well, and almost, down. He almost missed that first one. Oh, he just, just almost missed it. I thought he did miss it. But, oh, you know, if, that, if that's who Harry. he is, if that's who he is, then that's who he is. Oh, I mean, I yeah. heard Charlie Kernow talk about who, who he is. He has to play mm. on instinct. That yeah. player plays on instinct, and he's going to do some re remarkable things. But he's going to do some re remarkably silly things too. Mm. Yeah. But that's that's who they are. You want them to express themselves. I guess mm. 
in important moments, really, and I mean really important moments, they need to know in important moments what they need to do. Yeah. Whether it's hold on to it, whether it's, you know, take the percentage shot, uh, lay it off, um, go quickly, go Mm. backwards. In the big moments, you need to know what, what to do. And that's when you look into your two big forwards to make the big calls. So mm. these two, you know, hopefully they play finals. But you know, and, and when they do play finals, it will be heart in the mouth stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always, always. Uh, one last question here. It's a good one from Shane Davis, who says another ten coaches votes for Adam Chera. Why is he not being talked about as an All-Australian this year? Great trade. Well, I would say normally, um, if we're going a little bit better, he probably would have been talked about. Yes, but I think when so. When you're 15, uh, I guess they look at, I don't know, the top eight sides mm. or top ten sides. and Look, every, every team's got a couple of good midfielders, so you're probably talking about... Yeah, you know, thirty-six midfielders that you're looking at. Um, I don't know where he ranks amongst. Well, how many go into the side? Would you go in with five? Would you play three? Mm. What do they do? do? They play genuine Any wingers or <laughs> hey? yeah, or half. Do they play real wingers or yeah, or half forwards as know. well? Do you load the bench know. up with just midfielders? So when I don't listen to a lot of, um, I, I don't watch shows and I don't listen to radio much so I'll have to take who who asked the question Uh, it was the lovely Shane Davis who asked that one yeah Shane I'll have to take your word for it that he hasn't been spoken about much in all Australian contention but I mean is it coming from all Australian selectors Mm. those comments if it's just you know you're running the mill commentators I don't expect much from them anyway so um, look, I, I think when the time's right and they're looking at his figures, mm. I would say he would, you know, he, he, he could easily slot into the squad for 40 at least. And then yeah. what happens there, I'm not quite sure. But, geez, worth pick six, wasn't he? Oh, oh 100%. And now, I think I think it's just been... Uh, you know, when you're playing poor footy, it's hard to really stand out. When you, it's like the Brownlow votes. You don't get Brownlow votes if your side loses. And I think the thing that's helped Chera definitely over the last month or so, he really feels like he's starting to add some goals to his game, which obviously is going to get him more in that conversation. And then, yeah, definitely worth it. I think, like I'll, t- you know, up myself here. I think I was one of the few that was saying it was a good char- trade back in the day because. Yeah. I'd, I guess I'd watched a lot of Frio. I watched him closely and I just thought that what he could bring to us was exactly what we needed, that bit more class. And some people just said he was a halfback flanker, that he wasn't going to be a midfielder. I was happy that he might be one of the only players that's ever come across that so far I said was going to be good and he has been good. Was down last year for sure, but what he's been able to do this year has been absolutely phenomenal and yeah, just compliments our midfield ridiculously. He's he's a star, yeah. this guy. Yeah, so young still as well. He's the age of what Paddy Dow. And so you just look at the contrast of that. Mm. Big, big trade. Um, so two last things to touch on. Well, we've, before we get into the votes to wrap this up, I, I do have to try to get a bit more balanced in this, which I think we have been throughout this. But is there any other maybe 
negatives or, or things you feel like are the the working areas that we still need to kind of improve looking towards the, the rest of the season, things that you maybe still want us to improve on to get us towards this perfect Carlton team? Oh, just consistency, really. I mean, bring the consistency, boys, you know, like don't, don't like what would what we we used to say like our best is very good our worst is terrible mm. yeah uh, so get consistent I guess mm. um, with what you're trying to do out there mm. um, just keep playing like a team I think the whole team aspect at the moment when I look mm. through um, our wins they're generally they're not that easy to pick the best few players there's generally yeah. a list of about eight or nine or even more um and, and it, it and it runs deep so I, I love that aspect i mean things that you can improve on i mean well the, the last three weeks there's not a lot to improve on realistically yeah. on mm. the weekend we kicked 14 14 we had 28 opportunities maybe we could have kicked a little straighter perhaps mm. um i can't remember too many oh you know i always missed a bit of a sitter i think maybe Sharon, one one or two others, but uh, that's nitpicking. No, yeah. I, 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 oh, yeah. I think it's um, we're on mm. track, um, but mm. it's just all about Saturday night at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's yeah, it's that consistency piece. I sort of had written down. I just want to know what I'm going to get from Carlton mm. every single week because you know in that mm-hmm. Hawthorne game, it's what what Carlton is it? Freo game, it was well, can we do it? Is this a flash in the pan and yeah. Obviously, you're going to lose games of football, and I'm not happy to lose a game of football. But I can cop it if that's how we're bringing what well, that's what we're bringing to every single game. So I want to know that we're going to be hard in the contest. We're going to work hard. We're going to bring the tackle pressure. We're going to try and move the ball quick. We're going to try and take the game on. And if you lose and get outplayed, it's going to happen at some stages. But that's what I want to see every single week. And, and that's mm. that's that's that consistency you speak on. So doing votes, we love a three, two, and a one. Who would you give your votes to this week? Well, I I actually I went a little bit against the grain. I actually I was really I, I enjoyed um, Walsh's game. I really did. So I, I gave him the three. I gave Chera the two, and I liked um, Harry's game. So that that was the three, three, yeah. two. Really difficult. I could have oh, yeah. thrown in another six. But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, throughout the game, I kept talking about Wiedering's game and mm. Sard's game. I think Charlie had 10 score involvements. Cripper, Cripper's back to his brutal best. You know, yeah. And here I am leaving the captain out, you know, and he's had a, <laughs> he's had a huge day. So mm. I just thought that Walsh um, brought it early and set the tone mm. uh, when the, the heat was really on. Um so I went Walsh, Chera, and, yeah. and Harry. Could no, I love it. I, I don't think you can go too wrong in the votes this week. You could make an argument for just about everyone, like, you know, Newman as well, a name oh, that you could touch you, on. You as someone who, who was just incredible down back. And, yeah, for me, I've got two incredible snubs. I didn't give any votes to Cripper, and I didn't give any to Chera, which may make people super annoyed, but I'll give my reasoning. I gave one to a bloke we haven't touched on, um, in Sam Doherty, who I just thought his work rate all around the ground and selfless running, just oh, that's what I loved. And it was that team thing that he was doing. I thought his, his work rate around the ground caused a lot of Frio's turnovers by being in the right position or just 
putting on the chase. And I thought it then created a lot of opportunities for us going forwards. I, I think he's someone who you could easily have not noticed in certain moments of this game. But I don't know, it was just little things he did for me, those little team things that for me made the difference. And why I really wanted to highlight him with a vote. You can read his stat sheet. It looks great. 28 disposals, one goal, three tackles, eight marks, seven score involvements, four inside 50s, three rebound 50s. But it was just the relentless running back and forth to cause a tackle, cause a stoppage, put on a block, move the ball forward for us that there was so many times where I thought free or out. And it was Doherty that allowed to make the stop or, or did just something little that I really wanted to highlight. Um, I gave two to Walsh. I thought he was the main driver in the midfield, 32 disposals, three tackles, seven score involvements. And just for the fact that Harry Mackay got 20 disposals, I thought that deserved the three, but it yeah. was Walsh or Harry flicked the coin for that one. Eight marks, three tackles, um, three goals. Yeah, exceptional from Harry big highlight but you really could have made it anyone and if you if you're watching this on youtube drop your drop your votes in the comment section and if you're listening wherever you get your podcast at navy blue corner is the social like you'll be kicking me uh listening to this knowing i haven't done any plugs so far but i've just been sitting back enjoying the chat so much that i've almost forgotten them but drop your comments throughout anything we've touched on throughout this episode in the youtube comments and, and at navy blue corner for the socials, but uh, is there anything else that you would like to touch on, Baz, b- before we head off? Um, not really. Um, just uh, I don't know what's the, the, the Kennedy issue with the knee. Yeah, I'm not yeah, that's a bad one. I, I don't know what's happened there. Is there yeah, been I don't any? Know no, we're, we're hoping that it's it's not the main. I, I would ho- I hope it's not the ACL. That's you know I hope it's not that. Oof. So I hope it's you know or a PCL or something you know, mm. hypertension or I, I don't know, but I'm hoping that it's not a big one. Um, but he obviously won't be playing, so that'll be a straight swap, you'd imagine, for Hewitt. You'd think so, yeah. And McGovern Gov. on a six break, six day break, decent corky. Um, mm. Just going to see whether he gets up, um, and if he doesn't, I think I've already mentioned what I'd probably do. I'd mm. probably then Young back. Uh, who have they got? They've got Marshall, Dixon, and um, who's the other bloke? Um, Georgiati's uh, in there as well at the no. moment. I want to see. He's out. Um, ben Lay- uh, is it Finlay's? Finlayson, that's the one I was meaning to say there. Yeah, he, uh, him moving through ruck and, ruck and forward. Yeah, so probably Young, Young, Weedering Camp. <clears throat> yeah, that, mm. I could see that sort of working, I think. Um mm. And then obviously, you know, well that would that would mean that TDK would need to come in though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, it's an interesting one. I think yeah, Kennedy stiff. I thought he was exceptional for us. Just the the two way running, and it's that marking around the ground that no one else in our sort of midfield, I think, really has that that strong mm-hmm. mark. It definitely helped yeah. us a few times that you'd hope George Hewitt obviously work rate and everything can fix, but. Yeah, just fingers crossed it's not a massive one for Kennedy, but easy straight swap. And then I'm maybe going slightly different for Gov if he doesn't get up. I'm maybe looking to Marchbank just for a wow. little bit of that intercept style. He's played all right in the twos the last few weeks. I guess I just don't trust Young heaps, and maybe I want to see what Marchbank can do, but it is always risky when you throw Marchbank's body in there. Um, and then, yeah, I think, yeah, Young would move out for deconing if fit. Otherwise, I guess you just you just run with the, the rucks the way it's going and hope the midfield can, can sort it out. And what will it be, Ian? 
Oh, if I'm giving my prediction right now, give me a five-point Carlton win. Make it tight. Oh, yeah. I can't. <laughs> but, yeah, it'll be under 10 points. Um, mm. I, I hope we really serve it up to them. I mm. think the boys have got something to prove. Uh, this is the game that they, they – I mean, you don't set yourself for games, but you come back off the long trip per mm. six-day break. It's not going to be easy, but they got a few no, injury worries, uh, Port Adelaide, have they? A couple of injuries, Roy? Yeah, well, I feel like they're starting to get a bit beaten up. Charlie Dixon looks very beaten up at the moment. Doesn't look like he's moving too well. And I feel like everyone's saying, and, and I will cover this a lot more in, in the match build-up this week if I get the chance to do it, but everyone's being like, they're due. They, 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 they've got to lose one soon. And like I don't necessarily subscribe to that because <laughs> – you win them for a reason because you're a good yeah. footy team. You don't, you're not all of a sudden just going to lose because you're nah. done heaps. Nah. But if there is a time for them to drop one, you've got Carlton Red Hot at home. Marvel, we're going to blow the roof off this place. Oh. We're going to sell this one out quickly with the Baggers fans there. And if anyone can do it, I feel like right in the momentum right now, we're a red hot crack for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, all good, mate. All good. So oh, beautiful. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, having me, and hopefully, I filled uh, Lockie's shoes all right there, and um, <laughs> and I'll get the check in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure. I'll make sure that's uh, that's sent across. But no, Baz, thanks. For, thanks for joining. As always, we'll definitely have to have you on throughout the rest of the season if we can't. Connect with Lockie, who's out there sunbaking, enjoying himself in Europe. Good I wish, wish I was there and could change that. But no, absolutely love to still be here watching the bag. So has thanks he, again, Baz. Has he missed all three victories? He was there for actually. This is the first one he's missed. He was able to watch both of them, so he's was, not the uh, the good luck charm. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be saying stay in Europe, never come back, mate. You can stay exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> but no, look, thanks, thanks so much for filling nah, in and joining, you, Baz. Nah, it's been an absolute it. pleasure. Um, all the social medias for Baz, if you want to find it, will be in the, the show descriptions. It'll be all there for you. But, yes, thanks again. Up the baggers will be there. I'll be here this week on the channel, wherever you can find your podcast, doing a bit of a match build-up and then reviewing the game next week. Let us know as well in the comments who you want to see be a guest on this show for the rest of the season. But that's going to wrap this up. The Blues have absolutely dismantled Frio. Feel like the lid's off for a lot, but we'll try and keep it composed for now. Up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time.